0: This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Michelle McCullough started her first business when she was 19 and currently runs three companies, including consulting businesses all over the world. Michelle is a former corporate sales trainer and a sought-after speaker. She's been interviewed for television and radio over 100 times, including on Good Morning America and the Today Show. She was recently named in the top 100 small business influencers with Inc. Magazine, Michael Gerber, and Grant Cardone. Her own radio show, Make It Happen, has over 1 million downloads. She's also authored four books. Michelle is mother to two kids and wife to one. She also noted that she loves to travel and is an avid 80s fan. You and me both, Michelle. Now for our interview with Michelle McCullough. Thank you, Michelle, for your time. I know you're a busy girl with lots going on.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: So. Tell me, what were your beginnings like in the church?
1: Well, I'm your standard run-of-the-mill, born into the church, baptized at eight member. However, I think that just like all of us, we have our different points of conversion that make things better, and a couple really quickly stand out in my mind, but um, I didn't intend to share this, but I think it's one of the most critical parts of my testimony. Um, after my parents got divorced, my, my dad was excommunicated and there's lots of details that go around that. And I wasn't even privy to them until I was older. But when I was about nine, eight or nine, um, I remember going back to Idaho with my dad, um, for him, for his final church court. And I got to stay with my grandma for, the weekend and my mom was back home with my brothers and I'm not entirely sure why I got to go, but, um, I remember my dad coming home and I knew he was in an important church meeting and he came home and he, he just sobbed and my grandmother went with him over to the couch. And I remember where I was sitting in the kitchen in her house and you could see through the doorway to the living room And they went to the living room and she practically held him while he cried. And I didn't know what to do and I was uncomfortable and I just kind of sat there and I didn't really know what was going on. Um, But I remember them sitting and talking for a long time and me just awkwardly sitting at the kitchen table. And then after a while, my dad came back to the table and got his briefcase and got his scriptures out and started reading his scriptures. I remember that experience. He was rebaptized in the church um, within 18 months to two years. The time frame is a little bit um, unclear to me, but regardless of that experience and whether he was right or they were wrong is doesn't even matter to me. Um, what I love about that was that somebody who could easily um, be bitter or harsh or mean um, to what happened, somebody who didn't want those circumstances, um, never doubted and never and never wavered in his testimony. And he continued to work on it and uh, go through the process of repentance for the things that he needed to work through, um, but never allowed that experience to be a wedge between him and his testimony of the Savior. And mm-hmm. I think about that a lot. I think there's a lot of experiences that we can have in as members of the church that um, can make you question whether or not you belong. And yet at the same time, at the end of the day, whether we belong to the church is different than whether we have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can feel social anxieties or inadequacies or sitting in that room. But at the end of the day, it's between us and the Savior. And I think about that all the time. And I'm reminded and grateful for his example of not letting um, even big things or little things keep him from um, taking us to church on Sunday and doing everything he could to be part of that.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. I don't know that if you're aware, I feel often like my parents' story is so public that everybody knows, but I also have a father who is excommunicated. Mm. And um, watching that journey was so pivotal for me um, and my testimony and recognizing just as you said, it's, it's when, when it comes to the end of the day, it's, it's going to be between us and God and the relationship that we had with him and that it doesn't matter what other people or how, how other people in the church treated us. We, we hope to be treated well. We hope to be accepted right where we're at. But at the end of the day, where, where do I stand with God and do, do I have that desire to repent and change? And so, wow, that's incredible. I did not realize that until you, you shared that that we had that commonality in our stories, and for me, yeah, didn't it was either. it was a pivot point, absolutely, for my testimony, and certainly, um, in that in that odd way, that was the time that I got to see the Savior's gift to me in the most clear way, was was watching my father change. So that is that's beautiful, and I'm so grateful for another another story uh, where. That was not a testimony breaker, but a testimony builder. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Were there any other points that you wanted to bring up, like specific experience or moments when you when you knew that you had a testimony of the restored gospel?
1: I think I will I will share one more that this is the one that came to mind first before I went down the other rabbit hole. But I think that was my first pivotal moment. The second happened when I was a senior in high school, I think. And my mom took us to Nauvoo for the very first time. And I had been, you know, you know, I was a little bit older and I had seen people go to Nauvoo and historic sites. I grew up in Provo, Utah, Orem, Utah. And so people would come back and they would share these tearful testimonies about how amazing it was and how it changed their life and just walking where the prophet walked and being where important things happened changed their testimonies. And so I expected that to happen in monumental proportions and we did everything chronologically. So we started at Liberty Jail um, and then we went to Nauvoo and Carthage Jail and did things that direction. And we went through the whole Liberty Jail tour um the missionaries gave it people around me are sobbing like they have just had the most spiritual experience and i'm sitting there going okay where's mine okay mm-hmm. what is happening and i was almost like having a fight with heavenly father going uh where's my spiritual experience like i'm just expecting this to help my testimony and i was a little bit snotty about it and i had this overwhelming feeling like i like uh, words that entered into my mind that i know was the spirit But it was just very simply, you didn't ask me. Like, you didn't ask me if this was true. Mm -hmm. And I think in some instances, we're blessed with the spirit. But I think one of the things that I pivotally learned was I sat there um, looking at the replica of Liberty Jail, remembering the sufferings that he had, remembering that he um, said such beautiful things like, why have I been forsaken? Why are you leaving me here? And then goes on to also have some amazing revelations about adversity and trial being but a moment. And so I just prayed really simply and said, did this really happen? Is this true? Is this, is this an important part of the restoration of the gospel? And I was overcome with the spirit. And I think that there have been other times where I haven't had to ask, is this okay? But I think in that instance, Heavenly Father was reminding me that Joseph Smith asked questions. Mm-hmm. And that the questions are OK and that the questions are good and that you can find answers and that when you go to God, you'll get the answers that you need. And that was the beginning of, I think, a very spiritual experience for me where I'm reminded that the spirit sometimes doesn't come, but we have to ask for it. And we have to ask for the testimony um, to get on our knees and pray with real intent if these things are true. And that is the gift that we get back that, yes, we can get answers, but we can't, we get them better when we ask questions and not just expect this the testimony to fall at our laps and that whole experience was very pivotal to me but i learned in that moment that the restoration of the gospel is in us asking and becoming closer to our savior through questions
0: and you know i think that that's such a key point because we're we're living in a time where again our access to information i feel like i'm always talking to people about this our access to information is both a blessing and a burden and it's causing many people to, to ask questions. And some people are very afraid of that. It, it puts us in a space of uncertainty when we start asking questions. And granted, how we ask them and what sources we go to to find answers is key to that whole process. But I think that it's really important that we have to remember that answers always came as a result of good questions. Heartfelt humble questions. And that that is where we find revelation for ourselves and and we, so we can't be afraid of that process for us or for others and to give that kind of space uh for everyone again including for ourselves. But it also brought to mind the the agency piece. <laughs> yes. That, you know, I think sometimes we just think, oh, if this is right, God's just going to put it in my lap. Or it's all going to run smoothly and gosh, you know you look at the scriptures and that is so often not the case that it's through the blood and sweat and toil and just the through really hard times <laughs> that finally it'll bring us to our knees like, okay, now I really need you And he's like, okay, I was always here but I couldn't, right. I couldn't give this to you until you were prepared to receive it and you had to ask. So he won't he won't deviate mm-hmm. from that so course much so. of agency. So that's, that's a wonderful experience and so key for all of us to remember through our own faith journeys. So maybe we're moving way ahead. Um, but you are a, a mother and a wife to start, um, also a successful business coach. And what role has your testimony and membership in the church played in your professional career?
1: Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Um, you know, I grew up being t- telling people that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, and that it did not matter what I did or what my education was. I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, and over the course of time, for me, um, I started feeling nudges to do things and to participate in other places, and I was like, "Oh no, I can't do that. I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mom." And I. Um, think it's so interesting because we each have different paths and we each have different opportunities to give and serve. And I think that it's a very individual choice. I have friends who are 100% stay at home moms with no outside, no outside things that they do for work. um, And they feel called to do that. And I honor that. And there are women that I know that feel called to do other things. And it wasn't until I started to feel called to do other things that I recognized that other people may feel the same and how wonderful it is that, you know, like my doctor, for example, is a woman and, I had really hard, terrible labors and I'm so grateful for her and not that somebody else couldn't have done it, but my connection with her saved me. And I'm so grateful for all the times that she endured. You're a mom of seven. Why are you going back to school? You don't need to do that. And we've had some of those conversations about how grateful I am for her path. And so I think that mine has been very careful in the sense that as a speaker and a business coach, there are a lot of coaches out there who will tell you, well, you have to run your business like this and you have to run your business like that. And in order to make a lot of money, you've got to have this many programs and this many offerings and this many things. And I've been to all of those ser- those um, seminars and presentations and thinking, oh my gosh, I could totally do that. But then I, I constantly say the phrase out of respect because I have been criticized for saying it and people don't feel like I'm saying it um, out of respect. But I feel like God is my CEO. And mm-hmm. so I sit down and I say, OK, I hear all the ideas that I have. And this path, they say, will make me a millionaire in a year. And this path will tell me I could do X, Y, Z. And this path will, path will tell me I could do X, Y, Z. And um, I will get distinct impressions. It's like, that's not your path. My path for you is different. And it's not going to be what an expert says. It's not going to be what a, a trainer says. It's going to be what the path that I gave you. And so it's been really tricky and awesome and wonderful and hard all at the same time to go down a path and to feel like I'm being guided into specific directions um, about the things I need to do. And one of the things I'm really clear about is that my mission is to bring souls to Christ and to help people feel happiness and joy in their everyday life. And while I'm not a happiness coach or out preaching the gospel all the time, I feel like I have the opportunity to do missionary work every time I get on a plane and every time I'm standing on a stage and every time I'm sitting at dinner with clients and colleagues. And that doesn't mean that I'm pulling out Book of Mormons and referencing scriptures, but that through my example and through my testimony and through my values that people ask questions that then open up opportunities for me to have really great experiences. And so it's, it's this interesting juxtaposition in my life where I will go out and do something and then sometimes I will feel um, Heavenly Father pulling me back and reeling me back and saying, that's not what I need you to do right now. And then there are other times where I'm like, no, I want to just be home with my kids and I'm not going to go anywhere this weekend and I feel pushed like, no, I need you to go and have some conversations. And I don't know what they are until I'm in that moment and thinking, oh, my goodness, if I hadn't gotten on that plane at that time and had that Uber driver, I wouldn't have had that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so... Everything for me is tricky and very intertwined. My spiritual life cannot be separate from my business life. And while that brings a little bit of confusion from time to time, um, I'm grateful for that and really work towards doing the things in my life and business that are right for my family, that are right for me and my mission, and that are right for all of God's children that I will affect in my path along the way if I'm in the right place at the right time.
0: There's so much good stuff in what you just said there, Michelle. I was just trying to like <laughs> catch some of my thoughts that were zooming by as you were talking. But um, I love that. I'm going to write that down, that God is my CEO. And I, I 100% believe that when we put our lives in God's hands, he will make it so much better than what what we could have ever intended it to be. But it does take a ton of faith. There's oh, no getting yeah. around that. and And you have to... You have to be willing to be judged by others uh, um, inside and outside of the church when you're willing to live your life that vulnerably and authentically because only you, again, only you and God know what it is that he intends you to do. So I'm I'm going to write that down. God is my CEO. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. I think those are words to live by. That brings me to this next question. So as a coach, my guess is you're a planner by nature, a very intentional goal setter. And maybe that's just in you. Uh, I know that's in me. I've been a goal setter since I was a little girl. But how has your life been different in good and challenging ways um, in, in what you would have planned for yourself?
1: Well, well, I think that primarily the shift from thinking I would I would be a stay-at-home mom to I have things to do in the world was a little bit different. But I also think that one of the biggest challenges for me is that I honestly did not think adulthood would be so hard. (laughs) Okay. Like (laughs) you spend your whole life as a kid thinking when I'm an adult, everything is easy. And when I get to make my own choices, everything is easy. And that is so far from the case. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not good. Um, But I think that. The curveballs that have been thrown thrown my way and that are thrown to everyone in different ways are just unexpected because I wouldn't have picked some of the things that are happening for myself. I always thought that I would move out of Utah, and I kind of dreamt that one day I would get married and he would be from somewhere else and that we would live in a different state or city. And not that I don't love Utah. Utah is fantastic, but I just wanted to have that experience of living in a different place and Um, I met my, my now husband who's from Oregon and I thought, sweet, this is my ticket to the rest of the world. And he was like, how about we just live here? And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, (laughs) and yet at the same time, some of the experiences that we have had here, I'm so grateful for and the hard stuff and the good stuff. And, um, I just am, I, I'm trying really hard as an adult. I'm turning 40 next month, Tara. Congratulations. I'm Uh not too far behind you. (laughs) And while I'm not lamenting being older, I just cannot even believe how fast time has gone by and also that there is still a whole life ahead. And I'm trying to be so set like we talked about goals just a minute ago. I'm not trying to ramble, but um, I am an avid goal setter and. I have been a Franklin Day Planner user since I was 12, and I've just switched Mm -hmm. to digital in the last couple of years. And so I've always been big on writing mission statements and making goals that push you and excite you. And um, now that I'm getting older, I think my goals have, have shifted in the right ways, I think, where now I'm more focused on my testimony. I'm focused on the relationships that I'm building and less about what I'm accomplishing and more about who I'm becoming. And that shift also comes with additional challenges. And um, it's like praying for patience. You know, when you pray for faith, your faith is going to be tried. And um, when you pray to be used, you're going to be strengthened. And so I think that in some ways, I feel like my life is exactly where I hoped it would be, and that it's so far off. Um, But if I spend any moment thinking I wish it had gone differently, then I'm not present and living in the abundance that I have. So it's a tricky little life we have. Absolutely. And it's, it's challenging.
0: I'll speak for myself because I have been such a goal setter in my past, um, to let God take the reins Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and say, you know what, my plan for you is better than the one that you had. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I guess try and find a good balance between dreaming and goal setting and being okay with the path that God has for me, if that makes sense. Not, not kicking against the pricks when things <laughs> don't move in the ways that I want them to, mm-hmm. um, but it certainly, it it takes faith, but also you just have to be willing to go where where God wants to take you and really believe that he's taking you to a better place. For sure. Um, as women, uh, we're, we're kind of experts at comparing ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're guilty of doing that a lot. And, and sometimes I think we get caught up in feeling like we're lesser than because again, our plan may, may look different um, than what reality is or what we were hoping for. And because we, we, usually see only the bright spots in people's lives it's easy for us to get down on ourselves and thinking my life is not as pretty as hers um, how do you manage the human tendency to compare in your personal life and what advice would you give to others on the subject
1: um honestly i think that this one conversation is the difference between growing in our testimonies growing in our personal beliefs and Um, just becoming the kind of humans that we're supposed to become is that we become the kind of people we're supposed to become without comparison. And yet at the same time, we all struggle with it. And I love the quote by pastor, Stephen Furtick, who is not a member of our faith, but I think that he gets it and nailed it on the head when he said, one of the reasons why we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes to other people's highlight reel. Mm -hmm. And he said that many years, even before Facebook. And so Mm. now it's even worse because people are plastering all of their best things. And I remember shortly after I had my second child that I was really struggling. I was running three businesses at the time and I was loving my life, but I was four weeks into maternity leave, which I really wasn't having a maternity leave And at the same time, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, something is wrong with me because that woman over there has five kids and she can handle all of her businesses. And that person over there who I love is feels like she has everything all put together. And it's just me that's struggling. And I just need to figure something out. And I was going out searching for some kind of secret like they had a secret that I didn't have. Um, But the reality is, is I just didn't see their insecurities and I didn't see their Their struggles, and they had to figure some things out on their own, just like I had to figure some things out on my own. And that part led me to my knees, to figuring out what was right for me, and not trying to live up to other people's struggles. But um, two thoughts that have come to me recently, and I still still deal with this today. Like even as I'm, like we talked about approaching forty, I think to myself, "Gosh, in some ways, I wished I had done so much more by now, Um, and I could have done so much more." But then if I'm if I'm remembering. The path that I've been on over the last 10 years, I'm on the path that God had me on that was slower, that wasn't accelerated, that allowed me to to be here for my kids for most of their things. And that's the exact place we have to be. Whenever we show up from a sense of lack or less than, um, we can't do the things that we need to do because we're acting in a lower state than Heavenly Father would have us be in our divine beings. Um, but even recently, you know, listening to come follow me and reading the scriptures, I was reminded, I listened to the story of Mary and Martha a little bit differently this time. And we remember that Mary is told that she's done the better part and that she sat and listened. And that's the reminder that one thing is needful. But what I heard this time was that Jesus didn't correct Martha until she brought it up. Jesus Mm. allowed her to go around and be comforted about and to serve, allowed her to give her offering. But until she said, wait a minute, look at my sister. How come she's not helping that? Jesus was like, well, let me teach you something. And it Mm. wasn't until she compared her offering to her sister's offering that he said, well, let me give you an opportunity. He'd let her do her own thing. And it's a similar with the prodigal son. The prodigal son went away and the son who stayed and was always faithful was like, wait a minute. This isn't fair. I was always faithful. And then he was taught that it's not about that. It's not about whether you were always faithful or whether you came back. Um, but he was comparing his journey to his brothers. And I think we have the opportunity to remember that the Lord accepts us as we are, but will correct us when we compare. And that gave me just this like lifted burden of realizing that that's on me. My comparison is on me. God's not asking me to do anything different. And yes, there will be times and opportunities where I will be pushed and nudged. And I have been to become better, but it's always with love and never without guilt. Satan's script is a guilt script that says you're not enough. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's not motivating, but everything that comes from the savior for us to be better comes from a sense of love. And I love that. But one more thing I'll also share recently, I found a BYU speech from a devotional um, called Wrestling with Comparison by J.B. Haas. And it's from May of 2019. And I honestly think this should be required reading for everyone in the church. The way that he talks about how we compare ourselves to others and how that alone keeps us from being able to fill the Spirit has changed my thoughts and has helped me to see that we are on our own journeys. And God puts us around each other to help each other so that we can help each other, not so that we can compare and hurt ourselves. And so we have to change our framework and mind to be on our own path, our own journey, helping others on their path and their journey, but without comparison so that we can become the people we're supposed to be and that they can become the people they're supposed to be because everyone's at a different place. And that's okay.
0: I listened to that same, same talk, and I was just floored by it. Um, and I don't know if it was him or if it was in general conference. <laughs> I listen to too much stuff and I get things mixed up. But the saying was, "The race is not against each other; the race is against sin." Yes. And I, I loved that so much because it, it, we just always have a tendency to be looking looking right and looking left, How how is so-and-so doing? How am I doing in comparison to them? Am I doing better? Am I doing worse? And then we, as if, you know, I well, I can change my pace depending on how people around me are doing. And that's not what the Lord intends for us. He mm-hmm. wants us to encourage and help each other along the the path, um, but keep a clear eye on the path ahead and what, what it is that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, with his, of course, always with his help.
1: And pride and comparison are sins. And so when we're acting in that nature, we can't receive the kind of revelation that we want. And again, I don't say that out of guilt or judgment. Um, I say that as a powerful reminder for us that even when we're using comparison to try to make ourselves better and to, and, and to motivate us to, to grow and improve, that's not the Lord's way. Mm-hmm. He wants us to look within ourselves and to look to him about what we can do rather than looking to the people next to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and what you brought up about the story with Mary and Martha, I think that that is a really novel way of looking at it because I, I've never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. I think the Lord, he takes what offering we give and he, and he takes it gladly, mm-hmm. um, but it's not until we say, Hey, well, look at them over there. What's wrong with them? And then that's when he may put us in our place and say, you know what? No, that's not your job. <laughs> uh-huh. Your job is to love and I will correct. Um, but that I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it, it, that story sometimes has been marred a little bit for me because I think I was probably the one scurrying around, like trying to get stuff done <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and not sitting and- at the Lord's feet and like, man, what's wrong with that? But but the Lord accepts all of us in what we're in, in who we are and what we have to bring to the table. So that's an excellent point. Um, but I wanted to ask you because we do see each other's reels on Facebook and other social media um, and, and it's the bright spots we see it's, it's the the smiles and the beautiful pictures and, but what if you're willing to be vulnerable with me. What is it or what is something that you have struggled with in your personal life that people may not know or see that's been a part of your journey?
1: Um well, there's a couple that I'll share quite briefly. Um I always thought I would have more than two kids. And I've been blessed with two and I'm grateful for two, but I always thought I would have more and I had many years of, um, sadness and, and thinking that God didn't care about my righteous desires, um, and fasting and praying and asking the Lord to bless me with more children. And it never happened. And it's funny because people will, people who will say to me, even my cousins and people who are close to me will say, Like they will hear that I wanted another child or it will come up in conversation and they'll say, oh, I just assumed you only had two kids because you cared about your career. And they don't they don't see or know that that's something that I have spent many years praying more for and that I would give up all of my businesses to have more kids if that's what the Lord asked me to do. Um, But he didn't bless me with that. And so I remember one time praying that if God wasn't going to give me more kids, he needed to take the want away. And I fasted and prayed for that almost as much as I fasted and prayed for a kid. And then I realized that part of the struggle and part of us coming closer to the Savior is having that space or that gap where we feel like something else is going to fill it. But really what only fills it is faith. And the want has never gone away, even though I've prayed for that to go away. And I've never been blessed with more children and that's something for me and the Lord for another day. But when I fill that gap in that space with faith, it becomes a lot easier. But it's so hard to do that in that moment because you're thinking, okay, well, there's something wrong with me, or I haven't been faithful enough, or I haven't read my scriptures enough, or or else God would bless me with this. But the truth is, is that we're all given our own set of challenges. And even this year, um, in December, I haven't posted this on social media because I didn't want to talk about it there, but... Um, to your point, exactly two days before Christmas, I got in a car accident and I was sick already and I had bronchitis and I cracked, um, my sternum and also, uh, messed up my back and my neck, those things, you know, obviously heal, but, um, I ended up having bronchitis for six weeks. And so every time I coughed, my back hurt, my neck hurt, my chest hurt. And so it was harder for me to heal because I was dealing with two different things that were causing, causing both of those to be issues. And then in the beginning of January, um, my husband was down for 10 days. He has a condition called trigeminal neuralgia, which in some cases is constant. In some cases comes and goes, his comes and goes, but when it comes, it comes hard. And so he was down in a dark room for 10 days in our, in our house the first week of January, I'm still recovering and not up to my full speed. My kids are still out of school. I'm sleeping in another room or sleeping on a couch so that he can get good sleep. So I'm not getting good sleep and my back is still hurting and I'm not recovering from being well. And there was this, this six week window where I literally felt um, forgotten. And I know I wasn't forgotten. And I know that there were lots of things that were sent to preserve me And I was listening to talks from President Nelson. I decided to listen to all of his talks from the time he was called to the apostleship to to present. And I honestly felt like every single one of those talks was manna. And that it was the thing that I needed that day. It was the thing that kept me and preserved me. And the burdens were not eliminated. It didn't go away. But I was able to see in those moments how wonderful it was to be served and to let people serve me because I am not good at that. And, um, I just, but I could not, I physically could not do all the things that needed to be done and care for my husband and do those things. And I think that, um, the more I think about it, like if I look at my closest friends and even if I look at my neighbors, every single one of them are dealing with really hard things. And for whatever reason, adversity is the thing that God dishes out and we wish it was like money or something or like trips to, to fant- fantastic places. And some people get that, but we all get our challenges. And I guess I'm just grateful that um, w- in his infinite wisdom that, you know, he gave my neighbor across the street, um, really debilitating gastrointestinal pain. And for six months, she wasn't eating and she was vomiting everything she could and w- almost practically withered away. And to my neighbor down the street who has cancer and to my friend who um, is going through a really hard divorce and to somebody else who, um, lost a child. Like I just look at all these people and my heart aches. And I'm just reminded that, um, he's trying to teach us all the same things with different challenges. He's trying to teach us all faith. And are we still going to look to him for the source of our strength and our peace? Are we still going to find ways to come closer to our savior? Um, or are we going to choose to push the Lord out when things are hard? And so I've just been, and I feel like I'm continually, continually learning this lesson and as hard as it is, um, I must not still be learning it next, but I have to choose faith and make faith a verb in my life, not just something that I feel, but something that I actually do so that I can weather the storms. Because as much as I would like to think that, you know, the Januaries of my life are behind me, they're going to come again.
0: Do you think, though, having, I mean, and we all go through these moments where we feel forgotten, having known that you went through that really difficult time and you survived it, and other times when you thought, I I don't know how I'm going (laughs) to, how I'm going to get through this moment, let alone the next day or week, how has that increased your faith in the Savior's ability to succor you through anything?
1: Well, I think that sometimes when we pray, we ask the Lord to give us things that is not what he needs to give us. And we pray for the, and I don't think that we need to pray any differently. And I don't think that we're praying wrong. I think that sometimes we, we forget that we're praying for um, peace and comfort and um, to, to feel his presence rather than for the thing to go away. Um, but it's really hard when heaven is silent in our deepest challenges and in our deepest trials, um, the only thing that helps me um, and helps me survive is, is having eyes of gratitude. And Mm. that every single night I sit down and I write down five things that I'm grateful for. I still do this like 20 years. Um, And sometimes I fall out of the habit and then because life is crazy or I'm falling into bed or whatever. And I'll realize that, it's in those moments that I'm missing. If I'm not looking for the way that ways that God is preserving me, then I will forget them. And at the end mm-hmm. of the night, I fall into bed thinking, this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong. But the reality is, is lots of things went wrong. But a friend called me out of the blue and said, Michelle, I was just thinking about you, what's going on in your life. And she could have no idea that I was having a struggle. Mm. And that is a gift. And I would have somebody drop off food on the doorstep And I hadn't said I needed anything. And I didn't, and I, it was, you know, three weeks past the accident, long after, but that particular day was really, really hard. And instead of thinking that day was particularly hard, I can look at it and say, someone thought of me and brought me dinner. And that, that was the savior. And so I think that sometimes we can't pray for things to go away. We have to pray just to fill the spirit and to feel, Um, God's love, and then to be reminded that when we're out of those moments, that um, there are other people who are praying for the same thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the ways that we have very simply to get on our knees and to receive personal revelation, even in the times of trial, like sometimes I would just this in January, I would just say, okay, somebody else is having a struggle too. what can I do? And I need to get out of myself and into the gospel and the spirit of loving our neighbors as ourselves um, I think that's where the true magic is and the true opportunity is for us to come closer to the savior and to feel, um, what he wants to offer us and to feel what he would do if he were here.
0: Cause even in his hardest moments, he was always looking at others and seeing what they needed, which is often the most remarkable thing Yes. to me as I'm reading, as I'm reading the new Testament, especially this, this time around that. <sighs> He always had it in him, no matter how tired he was, no matter how difficult the day to, to heal and to teach. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I, I wanted to ask one last question, which is, in the end, why are you choosing faith in the restored church of Jesus Christ? Why are you choosing to still row, even though it can be challenging at times?
1: Um, I have a really close family member who left the church a couple of years ago, and since then has almost been on a quest to change me because he, of course, is now enlightened, and I'm just a blind follower. And if I could just be enlightened as he is, then I could experience, you know, happiness with him. And um, while I do not judge his faith journey, uh, it's been interesting to, to reflect on what my testimony really is and why I really am a member of this church. And um, as I look at people who uh, leave the church for a variety of reasons, and again, without judgment, one of the ones that breaks my heart the most is anything with church leaders, whether past or present, making a mistake. And so because of that, they feel like the entire church has crumbled. And one, I remember one day having a realization that, honestly, every one of those stories from Joseph Smith to um, any other doctrine that did, did or didn't change over the years, and people are frustrated about it, that um, to me that solidified the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they're not perfect. That they had reasons to need the atonement and to need Jesus Christ as their personal savior just as much as I did. And to me, it just makes the gospel even that much more real that they're not perfect and they still need Jesus and they still had faith. And I don't need these men to be perfect for my testimony to grow and to come closer to the Savior. What I need is the reminder every day that Jesus is there, that He has set a pattern and a path for us, and that regardless of our imperfections, that all things are made perfect with him. And I'm just grateful for that. I think every day when somebody challenges my faith or calls me a blind follower, I think to myself, um, no, my eyes are wide open and I see exactly what I need to see. And I am so grateful every day that Jesus Christ looks at me and says, you know what, she's not perfect, but she's trying and she will grow. And I'm just an imperfect woman who finds hope in the savior of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful every day that he takes time and seconds with me so that I can become the kind of person I want to be. And so that I can live with God again. And I'm so grateful for that.
0: You've taught me so much today, Michelle. And I'm so grateful for the, the bright hope that is in you. And I, I, I know you well enough to know that as you have already done great things, you will continue to do great things. So thank you so much for sharing again, your your testimony and your conviction and I appreciate your time today.
1: It is my pleasure. You're up to good things. Thanks for letting me be part of it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the still rowing podcast. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor is this podcast affiliated with the church. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on future episodes. You can submit comments or questions at stillrowing.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.